0: I didn't do a ton of breweries because I was with the family, but I did bring home some treats for you at some point, Nick.
1: I like beer.
0: Well, and I can, I will share it multiple directions because <laughs> it is, it is not for me. I bought a six pack and so I have, uh, what do they call it? Buffalo brown ginger beer.
1: As in Buffalo sauce or just Buffalo as a descriptor? Just,
0: just Buffalo as the descriptor. Oh,
1: there's some weird shit with some beer.
0: Yeah.
2: Today on It Will Probably Be Okay, a genius, a buffoon, and a storyteller take on the premise that brought us all together. Will it probably be okay? I'm Nick, and I'm a guy with strong opinions.
1: And I'm Nakenji, a girl who's just trying to get along.
0: And my name is Gabe Willenberg. I'm a recovering educator. No, wait, I'm still an educator on summer vacations.
2: All right, so let's get started with mini topics, Gabe. I think you, you have one for us.
0: It's been a year now. Since we brought home my dog, Joe, from the Ozaki County Humane Society. And he has become a really a really great addition to our little family here. It's perfect for a mini topic, right? Like our mini topics, we try to talk about things that are either irritating or clever or interesting or annoying. Joe's whole thing is fascinating to me. First of all, we went out there to, to get a, a dog... That we had seen on the website named Eva, who was like a little two and a half pound teacup Chihuahua. And when we got there, we signed in and they're like, well, it'll be two hours and there's a family here to see her beforehand, but maybe they won't want her. And you're just like, this is this is the worst retail experience in the history of of worlds. Right. Like I would rather buy a house again, which is an exercise in slow motion heartbreak. Yes, it's terrible. Then sit down with it and try to adopt a dog that you found on the internet because you won't you won't get to. And so you meet this dog and you fall in love with it and then they're like, ha ha, it's going home with a different family who won't love it, right? <laughs> and you can tell they won't love it, right? Right, because it's a Chihuahua and they have it on a neck leash and they're pulling it. They got big heads. You can't yank them around like that. But like, okay, like, this is the rules. It's fine. So while we're waiting around and this is like two and a half hours of just killing time in Ozaki County, we found this other one. We're like, Hey, who's this dog? And they're like, Oh, that's, uh, that's Joe. He is not available. And I was like, come on, <laughs> look at him. Like he's looking at me through the glass and he's looking at me and she's like, Nope, he's, he's, he's out here, but he's not available yet. And I was like, well, can we meet him anyway? And cause I'm a glutton for punishment and they're like sure and so we met him anyway and you know we went in there and he was just super nice super nervous you know licking his face and afraid and you know eventually he came up to me and he came up to Gaia and we're like okay this is this is a great dog like when can we adopt this dog and they're like well he's not available yet we told you that and I was like yeah but like you know, we waited, we waited the three hours. She wanted us to wait to see him. We saw him like, like, when is he going to be available? Like, how do I get on a list? Well, it's a first come first serve. So, you know, and I said, that's, that's sucks. And like, we'd already had our heart broken once. And so we, we were just like, I can't do this. So we're on our way. We're like, forget it. This is, this isn't worth it. Like, I'm sorry, little dog but good luck to you. And we are all in the car and we're just so sad. And, you know, we're crying and we see that other Chihuahua still out there with that first family. And they're trying to figure out how to make it get in the car and they're yanking on it. And, and my sure. delightful wife is like, do you want me to just offer them 500 bucks? <laughs> <laughs> and like, I'm, Ooh, ah, uh, yes, but let's not. <laughs> and so as we're leaving guys on her phone, she tap, tap, tap. She's like, I don't know what they're talking about. He's right here. And you look at the picture and there's Joe on their website, which means he's, they can find him in the system. So we turned around and we went back and we're like, look, look, here's the dog. And we're showing it to the volunteer lady who I'm not throwing shade at her, but like she clearly was out of her league. And so they're like, Oh yeah. Oh, what do you know? Well, I guess you can adopt him. And so we, we, filled out the paperwork again waited another three hours because we had left and therefore lost our place in line unbelievable oh my gosh during that three hours it was potentially possible that somebody else would adopt him right because oh. once they're walking you through there they will you know once you've got the attention of an adoption agent like th- any dogs available right right and all of this is reasonable and fair when you look at it from a corporate perspective, but I had already bonded with this dog. They let us see it with our first visit. They told us to leave and I'm not going to make a stink because it's not going to get me anywhere. And so the adoption agent who we sat with, there was like, Oh, you're going to take him. And I was like, yeah, they, they said we couldn't. So they're like, Oh no, he's, he's available. He just can't come home with you yet. And we're like, OK, fine. Uh, they're like, he's got to be here till the medical till he's medically cleared next week or uh, and, and when we open on, on during the week. Right. So so we're like, great, well, we'll take him. And we did the paperwork and we signed it out and we're like, OK, well, we'll you know, we're going to bring him home and he's going to have his home. And they're like, well, you can't take him. So we went home without him. And I went back the next day after they called about three o'clock and said, OK, come get him. And we came and got him. And on his paperwork from the Ozaki County Humane Society, which is an extension of the Wisconsin Humane Society, I am the proud adoptive parent of Joey Adoption Hold on Deck, (laughs) which is his official name, (laughs) as filled out by the volunteer
1: (laughs) Joey on Deck
0: Adoption Hold. And so every so often I'll get an email saying from, from an automated email from the Humane Society asking for my money saying, how is your relationship with Joey on deck adoption hold?
2: <laughs> that's so great.
0: Uh, uh, so <clears throat> that's my mini topic for today. He's been with us a year and it has been it has been amazing. He's the best dog. Awesome. Nakenji.
1: My mini story is... Probably, I mean it's already been seen by well, I posted it to Facebook, so it's already public. Usually my many stories are are private internal thoughts that I have voicing for the first time, but on Saturday, I was working in the tap room. I usually enjoy working in the tap room because it's my opportunity to interact with other human beings, and it could be weird to y'all, but like I really enjoy serving. It makes me feel like I'm useful. It's like the most useful feeling feeling that I can get while working in social media and marketing. So I'm doing what I'm normally doing. And dude walks up to me and says, me and my friend were debating well no the thing is is that my brain kept being like no 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 and i i did end up having him repeat it multiple times but my brain still is like no but i think word for word he said my friend was saying black lives doesn't matter i told him it does and he said it like a joke like if it was supposed to be a joke now, mind you, I opened this conversation and as he approached. I was like, "Hi, how can I help you?" Yes. And that's what he said. And, and so I just I stared at him for a bit because you know, and the Kenji just stares when she's trying to figure out. What to
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I can see you just with yeah. you standing yeah. there like buffering, right? Like buffering, <laughs> buffering, buffering.
1: So then I was just like. okay, can I get you something? And, <laughs> okay. Because I'm just like, no, no. I had to have, like, I'm replaying it in my mind and I'm just like, no, no. Because that would be dumb, right? No. No. Who's this stupid? And like, what's so, he trying
0: to accomplish, right? Like, yeah, like what's I'm, he trying to do? Like, is he hitting me? on me? Is, yeah.
1: And so he gives me his order and then he goes to the bathroom. So I take the opportunity to dash around the bar and go to the the kind of office that we have and talk to my boss so I tell my boss like this is what I think he said like I'm not really sure cuz like I, it does not make sense that a human being would do this in this day and age and this is what he said and so my boss was sympathetic and was like I'm sorry that that happened to you and then I dashed back out to the bar and I, I gave him his order well, I make his order I give him his order and when I am coming back out he's like sorry the that the joke like like, there's dot dot dots like if he's just like trailing off so when I got behind the bar again I'm like so what was it you said and he repeats it and I'm like sorry can you say it again and he repeats it this time at like a slightly lower tone
0: like it's dawning on him
1: right like it's... <laughs> and so i'm like which part was funny <laughs> and he just like mumbling now and then i'm like okay and like i like the like uh, a verbal okay that clearly has a full stop like this is the end of the conversation that we're having and so then he moseys off back to where he was sitting it was a shock to me because I've never actually had anybody be overtly a racist, but I hear them talking and I can hear things about like, is that racist? Like blah. So I don't know what they're talking about. I don't think they were talking about what the guy had just said. Which is really shocking because most of the time, like I walk around in Milwaukee where I'm just like, like, I don't wanna know. Like we could have like a really cool interaction. Like I, I really don't want to know your opinions on race because once I know them, I can't know them. And I just rather not have to deal. And here is this idiot just like walks up to me like i'm serving you and you walk up to me and i am black and you think that it would be funny to joke about whether or not black lives matter i am a living human being standing in front of you and the joke was whether or not my life mattered
0: look i'm an apologist for assholes right like that's been my role in the world and i got nothing I got nothing this like I don't want to try to understand this guy like I just want him to be quiet Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, because he's wrong and maybe he's trying but that's his journey and I'm I'm not part of that
2: I, I almost picture him as just like like one of those people that's like so dumb that they can only like talk about the weather and whatever the most popular topic is right now, but not appropriately. And like
0: hey uh. look, like that's, right? that's kind of what I that's kinda I'm Hey, look at you're wearing a mask. <laughs> wow like i said on 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 your facebook post to it like this is the most nakenji response ever like just sit there and make him stew in his own awkward feelings yeah it's is a magic power that you have nakenji maybe this is the start of of that a-holes awakening to whoa hey maybe i was the dick and that's that's how i try to to interpret that just because i want to continue to think the best of the world but man oh man the world sucks sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) sometimes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: That's actually a perfect lead into
2: our topic today, which I'm calling what I know. You know, last time we got together and talked, I, I kind of really felt like I was in a place where I, I really was kind of lost. And and finally, after after some time, I got around to sitting down and writing about it. And I, and I want to share what I wrote with you two today. And um, I, ju- I just want to have have a discussion. So here we go. I'm deeply troubled by what I see happening in our world right now, from our horribly partisan politics to our varied responses to the pandemic, and now to the protests and demand for more accountable policing. What have I done? Not much. I've argued on the internet. I've put some signs in my yard and posts on social media. We took the boys to a march. I've read and watched some things. I've given a little bit of money to causes that make sense to me. But in a lot of ways, I feel stuck. There is so much I don't know. So I thought maybe one thing I could do today is talk about the things I do know, the things I've seen or lived, and how I think they impact the current state of our country. I understand there are many voices that are more important than mine right now, but I also only have my own worldview to share. These are reflections on things I've felt or seen. So here's what I know. I know that a lot of us struggle in changing our minds when the facts change. Admitting when you're wrong is hard. We're all unable to live by the old axiom of not throwing away good money after bad. When you express a strong belief, there's often shame in taking it back. I have never liked to admit the failure of being wrong. It makes me sick to my stomach. But man, is it difficult to make any progress when we continue to double and triple down on things we've said or done that are wrong because we aren't brave enough to admit it. In the scientific community, it's actually considered a badge of honor to change your mind. I recently read a book called Super Forecasters that said that the best minds are people with strong opinions that are loosely held. In other words, believe what you believe, but be willing to listen to data and other points of view, and don't be afraid to open to the growth that comes with being wrong and realizing it. I know that we have a societal lack of intell- intellectuality. I've seen a lot of magical thinking since the pandemic started, all the way up to the highest office in the land. Remember the quote, the virus will just disappear like magic? Now, that wasn't what scientists were saying, but a lot of people took that statement and ran with it at face value instead of doing what, to go and see what I epidemiologists were saying to look at historical data related to past pandemics or even begin to question the things that they were being told. When I don't understand something important, I want to read, to learn, to listen. I haven't always been like this, but it is how you have to be if you want to be a truly thoughtful and informed member of society. Additionally, it is important to have an awareness of where your opinions come from. If you don't like the New York Times, as someone expressed to me recently, you should have an actual reason that's more compelling than the president doesn't like it either. As I like to say, independently verify everything. I know that we rarely spend time validating our sources. I have an ignorant aunt who I spent a lot of time debating with on Facebook until she recently blocked me. A lot of the items she would share would just be screenshots of crappy memes with no sources. This relates a lot to the previous item, a lack of intellectual curiosity. Wouldn't you want to validate and verify the things you're sharing with other people? After all, if you are sharing misinformation, that does or should reflect on how people feel about you and view you. I've been guilty of this too from time to time when I see something that really tickles me or seems important, I might hurry and shoot it into a group text with my friends without checking if it's really real, but I've tried to hold myself to a higher standard. I know that many of us have an inability or unwillingness to put ourselves in other shoes. How can I, as a white man, possibly begin to understand the experiences of black men, let alone feel that I can speak with any amount of authority on what is going on right now or why? Yet I see a lot of people who seem to be able to not only form these opinions, but feel a lot of conviction behind them. What can I do to understand better? I can listen, I can read, I can watch things made by black creators. That is what we should all be doing right now. I feel a deep sorrow and shame for only waking up to the Black Lives Matter movement now. I did this by finally putting the time and effort into reading, watching, and listening. I did the thing that we learned in grade school. I put myself in someone else's shoes. We need to have the courage to open ourselves up. I know many of us are intellectually dishonest. Another conversation I had with the aforementioned aunt was one about how the Lafayette Square protesters were dispersed by gas and rubber bullets so that Donald Trump could stand in front of a building he's never been to holding a book he's never read. My aunt was arguing that the peaceful protesters were rightfully removed because they didn't have a permit. The same person was a big booster of the safer out in Madison several months before. I asked her if she checked whether the group... That was doing the Safer at Home protest had a permit or not, since permits seem to be really important to her. If you aren't willing to own up when your side is wrong and your beliefs are completely partisan, you are being intellectually dishonest. I haven't always been intellectually honest. Again, it is a hard thing to do. But if your position is do as I say, not as I do, you can't honestly consider yourself a supporter of freedom or someone who is credible when it comes to debating difficult issues. I know that people have deeply insular self-centered worldviews that they are unable or unwilling to change. Surely we don't have a choice where we are born or who our family is. However, we all have many choices that we can make to either explode any insular worldview or to reinforce it. Progress is when you learn and grow and change. Meeting people from different backgrounds and cultures, traveling and a hunger for learning and knowledge help us expand our minds. But many seem comfortable or even completely unaware of their profound lack of worldly knowledge and experience. They are unaware of the loss they've experienced by not opening themselves up. They miss out on friendships and life-affirming experiences because of fear and discomfort. The sad thing is there are multiple studies that show once someone meets and gets to know people who are different from them, often their prejudice lessens or even goes away. And even how they vote in the issues that are important to them can change. So they aren't only cheating themselves in their ignorance, they're cheating us all. I know many people are unwilling to experience discomfort or see debate in a constructive light. Recently, a Facebook friend of mine who had formerly served as a police officer posted someone in the New York Police Department bemoaning the recent treatment of police. I respectfully asked this person, a former officer, if they saw any validity in the proposed reforms. She quickly shut me down, suggesting that she only uses her Facebook to support police and did not wish to enter into a conversation with me on the topic. When we shout other opinions, or defend our beliefs, or explain our beliefs, we are cheating both ourselves and those who are open to discussing things with us. A lot of us would rather go along without rocking the boat than to steadfastly express our beliefs and open ourselves to hearing others. That is a deep shame, especially for someone who is comfortable to publicly express an opinion on Facebook but is unwilling to actually engage in conversation around it. I ran into the same issue with my aunt and I believe it is why she blocked me. She couldn't help but take my vehement fact-based disagreements with her and her Facebook friends personally. I remember when I was in college and my black RA was having a debate with a white student on our floor about race issues. I was uncomfortable and I was straddling the issue, saying both had made good points. My RA, Leon, finally had enough of me placating the discussion and not adding anything and said that if I was going to be part of the conversation, then I should take a side. He was right. And that's what I'm trying to do right now. I'm trying to take the side of right versus the side of wrong with all the issues facing us today. The pressure to do this correctly feels acute because I want to provide my boys with a firm example of what it means to do the right thing, not the easy thing. I will not stand idly by as a divisive, hateful, ignorant, and cruel man in the Oval Office makes a mockery of our Constitution and our country. I will do my part to vote him out. Although I did not vote in 2016 because I cannot stomach either candidate and have historically supported conservatives, it is abundantly clear to me that Joe Biden is our best hope at building the America that I want to live in and I want my boys to grow up in. I don't love Joe Biden, nor do I agree with all of his policies, but he is a far superior choice to our current president. I will not go on with my daily life as if the pandemic doesn't exist, putting those in my community at risk. I will listen to the scientists who have spent their whole academic careers preparing for moments like this. I, too, hate wearing a mask. I hate not being able to hug family and allow my boys to do the same. I hate not being able to see my friends or watch the best team in the NBA in person. But in the midst of this pandemic, the sacrifices we make are right and just and give as many of us as possible a chance to get through this and to honor the medical professionals who are in the midst of the most difficult challenge of their careers. I will not continue to ignore the unfair challenges that we have created in this country for Black people and other people of color. I will listen, strive to understand, and amplify the voices of people of color. I will use my white privilege to lift communities of people of color up. I will join them in calling for meaningful police reform, and I will work every day to be anti-racist and help my boys understand and embody that same mindset. I always say that I am the most optimistic pessimist there is. I want to believe that this year is the beginning of a great awakening for my generation and the generations preceding and following mine. We are saying that we are unwilling to accept this world that we have been given. We want kindness. We want honor. We want to honor expertise and we want equality. We will accept nothing less.
1: Wow. Um,
0: yeah, very nice.
2: So thank thanks for taking the time to listen. I know that was a little longer than my last one. So I guess, first of all, just tell me, does it ring true what I said? Have you witnessed some of these things that just frustrate you about other people?
0: My first reaction to the question of does it ring true is it seems to be pretty authentically Nick. And 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 that is, I think, part of understanding the fluidity of truth it doesn't matter whether or not i think your experience is true you are an expert in your own experience mm-hmm. and you that you know you can back your experience up with any number of damned <laughs> lies and half <laughs> truths and statistics mm-hmm. but your experience is who you are and I, I and what i know of you that strikes me as incredibly true and i would just be hesitant to 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 put too much emphasis on External validation of that truth. <laughs> yeah, right? no, I understand. You know it's true. Yeah, you know it's true. Stick with it. <laughs> you know, learn it, change it, and and be uh, be authentic to it. And of course, it's true.
1: Does it ring true? I think Gabe answered that part, but in terms of has it been my experience um, externally? I don't engage with people on this topic. I don't wanna know. Because if I yeah. if I know then I will have to that that whether or not okay. There's levels to these things, right? So like are we gonna debate whether or not black lives like if you're gonna all lives matter me, then I can't talk to you. Sure. Yeah. Because especially when that means that typically is accompanied by an inability to say that black lives matter. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you want to tell me all lives matter, but you cannot say that black lives matter, like, there's nothing left for us to discuss. And in my personal relationships, I kind of uh, avoid this, but my husband was recounting to me that he got into an argument with his dad uh, about the protests and, you know, with protesting. You know, when people fuck you over and then they get angry at how you decide to respond. So like the protests and the so so-called riots and looting or whatever, his dad just didn't understand any of it and didn't think it was like the right way to go about doing things and whatever 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 and it ended up being really really tense. And it was just kind of like, I I have observed your parents. These are not things I'm going to discuss with your parents. And you you have felt badly because I have expressed such things. Like no, that's not my parents. Like no, that's not my parents. And I'm like. Mm. Mm, is that and then you come home and you take recount this conversation to me and i'm like there you go <laughs> so lovely people but like i definitely they're definitely people like I, I am not i would never mention anything about this like i don't want to know because there's also that 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 portion of especially when you know that they watch fox there's that portion of this will destroy this relationship because i have zero fucks about cutting people off
0: yeah i think it's a pretty reasonable (laughs) self-defense i mean not that you need my permission but i don't think there's any shame in in protecting yourself the reality is we all we all are in unenviable positions where we have to make a choice between fighting or not fighting and i don't think that is a, a failure like if it's not a fight you can win, there's no point in engaging in it.
2: Mm. I guess though that this all kind of like most of this came to me just in one fell swoop of like, I I just had to get out how I was feeling. And, and, and I I guess I would say like a lot of it addresses the specific topic, Nakenji, that you were just talking about frustration that I also share with the people that I'm close to, like that, that they don't seem to have that intellectual curiosity to understand other people or, or that, you know, their worldviews are so insular and, and they're, they're not even capable of realizing that there, there's a world that's so much different than their own and they're not going to understand it, but like it would be more worthwhile to try than to have a completely uninformed opinion about something that they don't even know the first thing about.
1: Well, that's the, that's the problem though, Nick they do think that they are informed and they do think that they know something about it, which is why it's impossible to, it's virtually impossible to have a conversation with a person who, so, so for example, with people who are up in arms about knocking down statues, my position is is like, why are you glorifying murderers and slaveholders? Like why have all the people within your history why is that the statue? And when the, did those statues go up? Where did they go up? And please explain to me what it means. And everyone, the, everyone who is informed and they think that they know what they know, on the other side they believe that it's their history, and they believe that this is just not the way you go about doing things, and they believe that that's somehow a in history. I think that's balderdash. But how do you talk to a person who who feels that way?
2: I actually read a great tweet about that today that I retweeted. It said, "Sometimes I wish we knew what happened in Germany in the 1940s, but they tore down all the statues, so it's impossible."
1: <laughs> I saw another good t- a tweet similar to that where the person was like, "Yeah, I went to this trip to uh, Germany, and like I couldn't learn about any of the history because they didn't have any statues." Like, there
0: was, there was a, they said there was this wall, but it's not there anymore.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Nick, I don't fight on the internet anymore. I used to a lot. I used to be really invested in making a Facebook into a conversation. And I'm OG enough that I go back to when, you know, you had to access Twitter with, SMS. I used to be someone who would argue vehemently on the internet about back when you had to use text and send them up on Usenet. And I I don't think I ever changed a single person's mind presenting the most brilliant piece of writing that could have ever been written about how they're wrong and also ignorant and a jerk. I don't know that anyone ever, ever convinced anyone of that by calling them ignorant jerks and giving them all the reasons why. How many people did you talk out of voting for Donald Trump by really just sitting down and explaining how, how you know, what a terrible human being he was? <laughs> you know, nobody. I think the secret really is in what you're saying, like being a leader in creating a welcoming, nurturing, safe conversational space. And when people aren't willing to play in that, like happened in the Kenji's mini topic, you just don't play with it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I I, I have had... <laughs> I've had many conversations about things that people object to where we just have to agree to not talk about it, not even to disagree because that's, I will never agree with to, to disagree with you. I would, <laughs> sorry. You're like, if you're wrong, I, I don't agree that you have the right to be wrong. Like you are wrong and you should fix it. <laughs> I, no, I mean,
2: I feel the same way. And that's like what, that's like exactly what Nakenji was saying about not wanting to know these things because like, if you know these things, you can't help it can't really change how you feel about the people that you know them about. and And maybe this seems so stupid. like I don't even know how it feels when I say it, but but I almost feel like you know as as someone who can who can say to people, you know i've I've supported conservatives for for a lot of my life. I almost feel like I wonder if me speaking out, I don't know, like, I, I want to think that it makes them think, oh, wow, if this guy changes his mind.
0: Well, and you can be a voice without com- being controversial. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So I was listening to this NPR. Well, not listening. I started listening. My friend sent it to me, um, but I read the article associated with it. Mm-hmm. This is like cheating in, in college. Did you listen to it? No, I found um, the, che- <laughs> the summary. Um but it's it's called why now white people yes I saw basically it was disappointing to me essentially the synopsis is nobody gives a fuck what black people have been saying but like know that white people are saying it too it spreads much more like wildfire because there is a group confidence to being able to speak out about something and know that other people who look like you are Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, Nick you are doing God's work by even being one to speak out because that's what movements like these need at the end of the day most white people actually don't have friends or associates of color so like they're not going to be activated by what they're saying because they're not even
2: like yeah exactly
1: for me personally like I'm not white there i still have levels so like growing up in barbados like being from grenada i felt and like i felt very strongly that that when people start insulting other islands like hee 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 all them guyanese people ha 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 that started like Ugh the immigration of Guyanese into Barbados is a big thing and people like to like make it seem like if oh they're taking our jobs yada 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 same thing that happens in America and I felt like if I've always felt like that is like no we are not gonna kiki about oh that Guyanese person probably took somebody else's job like that is not something we will laugh about I will like I will set you straight if you want to kiki about that with somebody it's not gonna be me I feel like it's my role to not kiki about sexist jokes. Like we, we are not, nope. Like you want to say like women are X, we, we not, we not going to do that. Just because I am an equal opportunist, we not going to do that about men. And then I feel like obviously when it comes to skin color, we are not going to kiki about <laughs> derogatory stereotypes about. People of color are people uh, are white people. No, we are going to kiki, and be honest, about stuff that white people do, like Karenism. Yeah. We, we are going to kiki. Maybe one day I'll be evolved enough to not, to be able to give that up, but like right now. No, you, I think
0: it's okay to kiki stupid people. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: it's not, but I know what you mean, exactly.
1: There, there are even other things like... You know, in your your workplace, you don't. We're not gonna tell jokes about people who do minimum wage jobs. Like I'm not. We're not that, a that joke that me and you are gonna share. Like, like I'm gonna let you know. Like I don't find that funny. Which is the funny part. Like, so I think everybody has their uh characteristics that they. Should, put their foot down for and I just so think that white people should be aware that one of the things you need to put your foot down on is the notion that a person could walk up to you and tell you a racial ass fucking joke and you laugh along even if you're uncomfortable
2: I always think for myself it's like you know I, I feel like I've steadily been able to like improve myself over time because like I keep questioning, I keep asking, I keep doing different things. I, I feel like if you're able to look at ten years ago and say, wow, I feel exactly the same about this as I did 10 years ago. Like, I mean, I'm sure there's circumstances where that's okay. And like maybe you've evolved all the way to the correct way to feel about something. But a lot of times I think you're you're gonna continue to grow and evolve and learn and kind of change how you feel about things because that's kind of like the struggle for like truth and and understanding. Right.
0: Well, and, and that's the difference between magical thinking and, and a lifelong love of learning. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, and that ties us around right to that, your comment on magical thinking, like this virus, isn't just going to go away. Racism isn't going to just stop. Uh, and I hope to God, I look back on this recording and uh, 10 years from now and say, oh my God, what an idiot I was, (laughs) you know? Yeah, totally. Because that's a a best case scenario. Right. right.
2: I, so I, I just, I want to touch on just quickly at the end of my essay, I kind of suggested that, you know maybe you know as an optimistic pessimist that maybe this is the awakening that we've been waiting for um and and maybe this is where um some things start to be righted um how how are you both feeling at
1: this moment Hmm. i feel like if unless shit is burned to the ground nothing will change but as a pragmatist, I don't think shit will be burned down to the ground, and we will simply, as a result of this moment, move the notch one tenth of a de- degree towards justice, but it will not be what was asked for or what is required.
2: I'm definitely afraid of that. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think of like, <laughs> I think of the 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 notion of defunding the police, and this is like I was radicalized before. It would have been form for the police. Now I am solidly defund that bit. Yeah, defund them. the The rhetoric I am hearing from the leaders of the land and from the Republicans is that, especially things like the unions, which is why we cannot actually yeah. get justice. Yeah. Is off the table. And if that's off the table, then what we're looking at is the one tenth of a progress yeah. option. And it's. Ugh.
0: Mm. Gabe? I am. Um, yeah. I, hmm, I also try to be an optimist. And I mean,. I'm the one who took the magical thinking of it will probably be okay and turned it into a credo as opposed to a punchline to bad management. (laughs) Like, right. Like that's, that's what we're talking about here yeah, is it'll be. okay, And that's where I live. I live in that. Well, this isn't quite right, but it'll probably work out uh, because things do. But I've had this conversation now with my students a couple of times when, when I find out that they take, uh, standardized tests that they can't read and they don't make sense and they're outside of their cultural uh, understanding, but they still have to take them and they fill out C all the way down or they just guess all the way down. And I ask them, you know, do you in general consider yourself a lucky person? And they will always say no. And then I ask them, so why do you think that's going to change when you take this test? and sometimes they get it and sometimes they don't but like i feel that way about these issues i want to believe that this is an inflection point that can change the world and i love that we've come to a point where we can have a conversation about defunding the police and and it is getting seriously considered and even practiced in some places love that but is is th- at the end of the day like how much change can come about in my lifetime you know i think maybe 10% is the best we can hope for and that sucks cuz i want to be i want the world to be better for everyone right now That's, that's my milieu. That's why I finally landed in education, helping kids who don't read so good uh, figure out how to get D's like that. I want (laughs) the. I should not describe my job that way, but it's really true. Kids who cannot understand the educational system, like helping them squeak by so that their lives aren't ruined by a system that they can't and don't and won't work with. And I feel like, I feel like there's, there's hope there, but there's not whole scale revolution. And I don't know, maybe this is a a, a position of privilege. I I don't know. At this point in my life, I'm down for whole scale revolution, but at the same time, like, I think it's time. I don't want to see the world around me burn except for how much it deserves to.
2: So with that, let's go through what, what we learned today. And this relates to what you just said. Number one, we can only give our own truth. And if it's true to us, it's true. I mean, that's true for what you just said, Gabe. Number two, the Kenji option is to just repeat something stupid someone said back to them with a question mark. <laughs> and I love it. I want to employ it.
0: I can't wait for the next time someone says something stupid. <laughs> Let
1: me know
0: how that goes. I like, I,
2: I, want to say, like, I feel like Gabe, for this last one, he kind of said it, but then he kind of took it back. But like, if we're going by majority rules, I'm gonna say it's okay to key key stupid people. <laughs> so... All I can say is hopefully it will probably be okay.